For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 191 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And hey, we got some... Oh man, I think we got some exciting stuff to talk about today. Is the juice loose? The juice is loose. A celebration is starting to come into focus. We're getting an idea of what's going to be going down at Celebration. There was a Disney shareholders call today, and I'll be damned if there wasn't some stuff that came out of it. And we'll be talking about the latest episode of Star Wars Resistance. Which was kick-ass and jaw-dropping. Which was pretty good, and we've only got two more episodes left in this season. The next two episodes, it's like a two-parter. For the finale. I I wish they were showing the whole finale as one hour, but they're splitting it into two. Yeah. That makes sense. But before we do that, we'll do a little business. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. You can email us at Blue Harvest Podcast at gmail.com. We have a Patreon if you want to support this goofy little show and get lots of cool extra bonus content while you're at it. What kind of bonus content? Uh, Star Wars Year by Podcast with our buddy Steel. Cooking with Will. Oh no, it's Hall Solo. Jaws. Steve versus the prequels. Blue Harvest Adventures with Colleen, Robbo, Jesse, Will, and myself. All playing the West End Games role-playing game from back in the day. And debuting this Monday, a brand new show with one of our most esteemed members of the Blue Harvest family. The king, the king of all times. It is Masters of Harvest Kasi. Me and King Tom. 
talking about Star Wars video games, one at a time. We cover a really weird one to kick it all off. We're going to have Will on there sometime. We're going to have other guests on there sometime. We're getting a schedule together, figuring out what games we're going to play. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. For as little as $3, you get a bonus episode of Blue Harvest related stuff every Monday. (laughs) And check out the rest of the, the podcast on the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. Now this is podcasting Steel Wars, Rogue One, Podcast 2187, The Sith List, It Is Array, Tarkin's Top Shelf, First Order Transmissions, and The Cargo Hold. And that's the business. Bang, bang. Bang, bang. Um, okay. So, uh, <clears throat> like I said, oh, first off, how are you feeling, buddy? I am all right. I'm all right. Getting a little better. I had to uh, switch antibiotics because whatever whatever particular strain of strep throat I had was not uh, knocked out by my initial round of antibiotics. Yeah, I know. We were playing Anthem the other day and told me you had to make another visit to the doctor. Yeah. Get on. Just wasn't wasn't getting better. That sucks, dude. Yeah. Well, I hope I'm glad you're turning the corner. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm uh, finally starting to feel a little bit better. You know, it's one of those uh, things where I haven't been sick forever, but it, I've you know, I've been ill for so long. Like, I just can't wait to feel good again, you know, just to feel normal. You take for granted your health when you're, when you're feeling well. I know exactly what you mean, buddy. Um, I went a really long time without being majorly sick, except from like, you know, maybe a small cold here or there. Right. And then last year when we went to not last year, two years ago, when we went to star Wars celebration on the drive home, my, my throat started hurting and I was like, Oh shit, I'm getting sick. And it felt like I was sick for a month straight after yeah. star Wars celebration. It fucking sucked, dude. And because of that, I've actually been doing like reading stuff online about like things I can do to prevent getting sick this time around. Right. And like, I'm, I'm real paranoid about it. Like, I don't know what a good, like I ain't trying to take I mean, my penny wisdom is like emergency. High high dose vitamin C is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's my penny wisdom. I don't know what the rest of your. That's definitely like the first thing I went to. Just grab yeah. some emergencies, drink one every morning before going to the con, take some hand sanitizer, make sure yeah. I'm, I'm constantly using hand sanitizer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And we'll see. We'll see how it goes this time. Hopefully. Some prophylactic measures. Yeah. Hopefully I get out without the fucking con crud. But speaking of con crud and celebration, we're starting to get an idea of what we're in store for here in just about a month it's coming up quick so uh previously they announced and we talked about the phantom menace 20th anniversary panel which is going to be on monday of celebration and this week they announced three additional panels each devoted to a different uh animated series star wars animated series 
Is Ahmad Best going to be on the... They have not confirmed any guests for the panels as of yet, as far as I know. I would definitely hope he's going to be there. God, I hope so. Me too. He um, deserves a warm welcome. He hasn't been announced as just a like an autograph guest or anything yet. Um, I'm telling you right now, if he was, I would probably get a fucking Jar Jar autograph. Of course. And, and it's not even, I think, I know I would. I would immediately book. Yeah, right? <laughs> book that. Um, so Saturday of Celebration, there's going to be a panel dedicated to uh, Star Wars Rebels and remembering Star Wars Rebels, which is real cool. I know our buddy Sal will be very interested in that. And then Sunday, probably... If I had to guess, out of the three, the one that's going to get maybe the most attention is the Clone Wars panel, where they will be discussing the return of Clone Wars and uh, showing some sort of sneak preview or or look at what's to come in this uh, seventh season of Clone Wars that's coming to Disney+. Plus. And then Monday will be the Star Wars Resistance panel, which I wonder, I I bet you they will, because in celebrations, like previous celebrations, they've shown off like a teaser trailer for the next season of Rebels, like for Celebration 2017 in Orlando, they showed off the trailer for the last season of Rebels. So that might be when we get our first look at season two, which that'd be cool. It would be. Um, and they, uh, one of uh, Lucasfilm's employees, Tracy Canobio on Twitter, uh, someone said, oh, I bet you they announce a new animated series at one of these panels. And she very quickly said, no, nah, just so everybody knows, no new animated series are going to be announced at Celebration. Which makes well, sense. Well, that's kind of a bummer. Uh, we've got one running right now. We're about to have a second one in Clone Wars, you know. Um, There's a lot of attention going towards these uh, Disney Plus exclusive featurettes, I think. Right, but I what I what if I had to guess what's going to happen is once Season 7 of the Clone Wars comes out, that's when we'll get an announcement about whatever the next animated series is and i have a feeling it will also be disney plus exclusive like the seventh season of clone wars right um and especially if they plan on just keeping star wars resistance on disney plus or not disney plus uh disney xd which i kind of get the feeling they're going to do it'd be kind of weird to move that over to exclusively being on disney plus I have a feeling because really? I think that's what they're going to lean on really hard. Yeah, I don't know. I I can see them wanting to keep and some. Keep... No, go ahead. I was just going to say I can keep some content on the Disney Channel. Now, what if I had to guess what will happen with Resistance is like when a season finishes, that's where you'll be able to watch the seasons on like. If you wanted to go back and like while season two of Resistance is airing, if you wanted to go out back and watch season one all the way through, 
uh, I would think maybe you could go to Disney Plus and do that. Kind of like how, you know, Netflix gets TV seasons a couple of months after they air, you know? Right. I just, <clears throat> I, I, for some reason, I feel like if they were going to put that on Disney Plus, they would have held back and put it on there when Disney Plus came out. Um, but I, this is definitely something I could be wrong about. I just have this feeling, you know, I keep reading all these articles about how Disney Plus is going to change the game of subscription content, you know, exclusive content and that kind of stuff. And I was like, I got a feeling Disney's going to lean hard into this subscription service in order to either muscle out or like try to shut down their competition. Yeah, I I think that's a tall order. Like, I don't know that Disney Plus at least at first will be any real competition to Netflix or Hulu or yeah, just because of the, the amount of content that's on Netflix and Hulu, they've, you know, already said that when it launches, there's no way they can compete with that amount of content. Now give it a few years, let them build that catalog, let them get some acclaimed shows or animated series under their belt. Like, you know what I mean? They'll they'll be the ones I think to help sort out the Oscar. You know, should streaming services be allowed runs at the Oscars? In the whole debacle. Because yeah. when Disney starts throwing its weight around, I have a feeling like things tend to line up, come up. You know, things tend to come up roses for them. You know. Yeah, for sure. I was a little disappointed to hear like about Steven Spielberg's. Yeah, old right? crony feelings about whether a movie that debuts on a streaming service should be eligible for an Oscar or not. Like, dude, get with the times, Mister Fucking Ready Player One. You yeah, know, like right. it's like I don't know if you know this, Mister Spielberg, but the way people watch movies is changing. It's not because I don't want to go to the movie theater. It's just because you charge me fifty dollars every time I go to the movie theater. You know, and I can rent it digitally for five bucks, you know, like, yeah, yeah, whatever it's, you know, and just because it's on, in my opinion, just because it's a movie that debuts on Netflix or Hulu doesn't mean it's of any less quality, especially nowadays than something that's got a full blown out marketed theatrical release. Right. Cause you're insulting the quality of cinema. Just because, you know, in like this, the same argument can be made of independent films. Just because independent films are made and produced independently doesn't mean they're less than these giant, you know, studio productions. And the same is true for ones that are produced by small studios like Netflix and stuff. And they're not even small studios, you know what no, I mean? No, I mean, Netflix is putting Hollywood style budgets behind some of their shit. You know what I mean? And even if it's not an original production, they're spending Hollywood style money to buy the rights to these movies and stuff. So it I think is it's cinema. Dumb. Yeah. It's cinema that audiences are consuming. And just because they're not consuming it within a theater does not make the art any less valid, nor not able to be represented represented in award ceremonies and stuff like you know, you're saying this art is inferior and doesn't deserve recognition because it's not viewed in a theater. And that's really unfortunate because art is art, no matter where it's viewed. Look, you know, I saw the fucking BFG, the big friendly giant, 
and let me tell you, Steven Spielberg, uh, I'd rather watch a Netflix original movie that's bad any day over that piece of shit again. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck that big friendly giant. (laughs) I mean, is he just mad that Ready Player One didn't get more accolades or something? I don't... I Honestly, I don't think it's tied to like a specific performance, like box office performance of his or anything. I think it's just he's kind of an old fart who thinks like who has this grand idea about the golden age of cinema. Everybody uh, getting dressed up to go to a, a fucking moving picture show. You know what I mean? Like. And it's behind. the. It reminds me back in the Except day. He wants to go to the movies in the 80s. Big right. neon, giant right. thing of popcorn. Not you know <clears throat> the floors aren't continuously sticky. He um, it reminds me of back in the day when the whole Napster thing was going down and like all the record companies like refused to adapt to that. You know what I mean? They were yeah like yeah. that would have like that should have been their clue to like oh let's get on like a service like iTunes should have come along so long before iTunes. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. <laughs> so iTunes saw Napster and was like, how do we do that legally? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was all about like they didn't want to unbundle like a big hit single from the album that it was on. You know what I mean? So like But that's the way popular culture went anyway. Right. They they had no way of stopping it, but they didn't adapt like they should have they wanted to stick around and like no man let's push cds let's keep pushing cds anyways we've got um more on the history of (laughs) somebody's been watching the 2000s documentary on cnn culture yeah right that was me that was me watching that uh I don't, never mind. I don't want to get off on a tangent about Why? it. Why? What happened? No, because then I'm going to be Steven Spielberg, old man. No, tell me. Old man yells at cl- crowds. I'll just say. I love those CNN me too. decade documentaries. I think they're it's, very good. They're very good. Uh, very well done. The 2000s one convinced me that for my personal tastes, I'm being very clear and very, like, trying to say this is a subjective opinion. Nobody jump on my ass about this. But the 2000s were the worst decade for music. It was it was sad. It was a sad time. It, it was like, tumultuous. There was a there was a run of artists and songs that they highlighted that was like haymaker, haymaker, haymaker after haymaker for me. Where I was like, I hate that song. I hate that song. I hate that song. Oh my god, I hate that song. And I was like, oh, I get it. For me, you hated music in the 2000s. Yeah, personally, the 2000. For me personally, the 2000s were an awful decade for music. Um, so that's what we've got for celebration so far. Um, I am sure. Well, obviously, there's some there's some big possible panels missing from this list. I mean, they've only announced. As far as I can tell, four sort of big ones. The four, the three animated ones and the Phantom. Oh, no, that's wrong. Also, they announced last week, and we forgot to talk about it. I forgot to bring it up. Uh, on Saturday, there's going to be a 
presentation from EA. And they're going to be showing off uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Okay. So we'll finally get our first look at that. That's exciting. <clears throat> I got to say, like, I was stoked to hear that Respawn, if any, you know, of all the EA-owned companies, were going to be working on Star Wars. Respawn was one I was excited about. And then after playing Apex Legends, it makes me even more excited. Because that's right. three games that Respawn is responsible for that have played and enjoyed. Both Titanfall games and Apex Legends. So I hope they can keep this train rolling. I hope Jedi Fallen Order is awesome. And I can't wait to get a look at it. That is going to be a panel that I'm definitely trying to get into. Uh, depending on how hard that sort of thing is at Celebration this year. Um, they also... So I think that's it. I think the video game panel, the three animation panels, and the Phantom Menace. Um, obviously, come on. There's gonna be an episode nine panel of some sort. Just looking at how things have been laid out, there's been nothing announced for Friday. It's probably One gonna be on Friday. Seen. Yeah, the first... Because like Thursday is not even a full day for Celebration. It's their Bounty Hunter preview day. And there's only, I think they only open up like hat, like in the afternoon. So it's open for a shorter amount of time. So, you know, no big panels that day. So that, uh, that rules it out. Your first big full day of Celebration? Fuck yeah. Episode 9 panel. And then the question becomes... I assume they're going to do a Mandalorian panel or maybe they're going to do like a Star Wars uh, TV panel where they discuss the Mandalorian and Cassian. Maybe they announce another uh, live action show. Um, maybe the Kenobi one that's being so heavily rumored. Um, that would be cool. And the question is, what day will that fall on? I'm not sure. Like, I doubt it would be on the same day as the episode nine panel because I would figure that's going to be the big hallmark panel for Friday. So, if they're going to do a TV panel, you know that I I would imagine that's going to be, you know, the big panel for that day too. Yeah. So we'll see. But. I'm excited to find out. I'm excited to just try and start stitching some sort of panel plan for Star Wars Celebration together. Get out your cross-stitch. Yeah, man. <laughs> cross-stitch a map of the show floor with the, the, con, the panel yeah. t- times. Unfurl it like in an RPG. Oh, let shake me Shake it out. Give it one hard snap. And then just... Yeah, so <laughs> shake off the dust. Um, Keep it in the ivory scroll tube. So there, oh, that I'm glad you said that because I need to look into a poster tube for celebration this year, and a poster tube that is much smaller than that fucking the, what, the orange one, the orange bazooka that Jesse and I took last year. That was cool. It's a good one. It is a good one. It's super sturdy. You could put a lot of artwork in it, but it is too big to be trying to lug around a con floor. And it was funny because portable antenna. all the uh, <clears throat> all of the uh, artwork that I got and put in that tube was so small. 
Like it took up no room, <laughs> wasted space. So I need to, I need to figure out like a, a better solution for that for sure. Um, okay. Well, let's talk about the fucking shareholders call today. The Disney shareholders call. Um, this was announced. Hell, I don't even know when it was announced. Like maybe earlier this week or late last week. And people Who's are the like, head of Disney. Is it still Bob Isaac? Is it? Eisner? No, Eisner has been gone for a while. It's Bob Iger. Iger, Bob Iger. That's yeah. Right. And um, people were sort of speculating, oh, like, oh, maybe there'll be some Star Wars news. I think they were a little burnt after listening to that earnings call uh, about a month ago or whatever it was. But a couple of things did come out. Uh, we have a uh release date or not a release date an opening date for star wars galaxy's edge at disneyland and disney world hollywood studios uh in at disneyland it's going to open may 31st which is apparently way earlier than people were figuring it was going to be opening that's kind of earlier than i thought it was going to be opening. yeah and it's going to open august 29th at hollywood studios in orlando okay uh i'm going to read you this press press uh, some of this press announcement it's quite long uh, minutes ago we shared an exciting announcement many of you've been waiting to hear Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is opening ahead of schedule on May 31st at Disneyland Resort in Southern California and August 29th at Disney's Hollywood Studios in Florida that's right it's debuting early because of high guest interest in experiencing this new immersive land on opening day for Phase 1, you'll be able to live your own Star Wars story and take controls of the most famous ship in the galaxy aboard Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. Sample amazing galactic food and beverage, explore an intriguing collection of merchant shops, and more. And for Phase 2, opening later this year, will be Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, the most ambitious, immersive, and advanced attraction ever imagined that will put guests in the middle of a climactic battle between the First Order and the Resistance and will blur the lines between fantasy and reality. In light of tremendous de demand, Disney has made the decision to open the land in phases to allow guests to sooner enjoy the one-of-kind experience that Star Wars Galaxy that makes Star Wars Galaxy's Edge so spectacular. So that was kind of the big sort of surprise of this announcement is that it's going to open May 31st, but both rides are not going to be available. Um, which honestly doesn't affect me that much because it's probably going to be a year or more before I can make it to. Galaxy's I mean, I bet Edge. the waiting list is already multi years long, right? No. In fact, there's more in this. They're going to. So from what I understand, they're going to do a system where you have to buy, you know, your Disneyland ticket and then you have to make a separate reservation at no additional cost for Galaxy's Edge. And those are going to be limited. So to me, that is them saying like, we're going to do our best to keep the crowd from being unbearable. The first, there's no timetable, but it's probably for the first couple of months, I would imagine that's how it's, if not longer, that's how it's going to act. So like, um, but besides that, like there's not going to be 
Like, I don't think they're allowing you to sign up for some sort of waiting list to get into Galaxy's Edge that far in advance. Like, I don't know how in advance you can buy Disney tickets. Like, I know when we decided to go to California last year, like, yeah, I bought our Disney tickets like a year before, eight months before. Like, you can buy them fairly far in advance. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. The fact that I and I understand people that are really excited and we're wanting to go on opening day and stuff like are upset that both of those rides aren't going to be there because I imagine that's going to make like if you got two rides available, then that that cuts down the wait time a little bit, I would think, for one or the other, you know? Oh, I don't know. Like if you have two rides and a limited amount of people and who knows what the limited limit is that they're going to be allowing in. But if you have two rides available and you have, let's say 10,000 people in the park, then theoretically you could have 5,000 in one line and 5,000 in the other. Right now, if you only have one line and everybody wants to ride that ride, then all 10,000 are in line. You see what I mean by like making the ride on the line on one ride, shorter than the other or something like helping no, mitigate the ride line the ride weight i mean i don't know i don't know that i mean i like if the ride can only run so many times open to close i imagine every single one of those you know every single trip of the ride will be packed no matter you know oh i'm not saying rides are open or not I'm not and saying there'll it, be some people that won't be able to get into it that day, you know, like, well, I would hope that will be, if they're doing this shit correctly, I would hope that's what they would be taking to an account, taking that into account with the amount of reservations they're going to allow people to make. Right. You know, like, and then you also got to think like, this is a new ride. How often does that shit like break? When we went to, uh, wizarding world of Harry Potter, one of the Harry Potter rides broke like four or five times throughout the day and had yeah. to be shut down. When we went to Disneyland, fucking the roller coaster. Remember that? The roller coaster broke right before we were going to get on. Man, yeah. They had to shut it off and like get everybody out of line. <clears throat> so you got to imagine that's going to happen too. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's going to be minimum, I would think, a year before I get a chance to go. So, hopefully, by then, the crowds are a little less and both rides are available. If not, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go until both rides are available. If I lived in the area, it would be a different conversation, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> but, it's going to be neat. I, I, I am looking forward to... At this point, you know, the only thing I can really look forward to is, is like seeing videos and people's experience and what they think and stuff about Galaxy's Edge. And I'm sure in the first few days, there's going to be a lot of super stoked people and a lot of super mad people just depending on their, you know, personal experience. There will be a lot of articles to read. Yeah. Opening day. Yeah. I'll be more interested in checking out like YouTube videos. Of people yeah. actually inside the park and stuff. Um, but yeah, that's pretty exciting. I guess it's more exciting for people that like live <laughs> close. Have tickets. Yeah. Or, or yeah, or 
are in the position to go ahead and plan a trip. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Dude, like I know everybody's stoked about the the booze being on sale, uh, like them selling booze in the Star Wars land. But all I can think about is like people getting shitty wasted and throwing up in the streets of Galaxy's Edge. Someone's gonna tell them those drinks are so expensive. You better have you you know the only people that are gonna be wasted will have <laughs> lots of money. Oh yeah. Oh, they are going to be expensive. There's no doubt about that. But that like also thirty dollar cocktail. That also doesn't keep people from getting stupid wasted at concerts, where fucking cocktails are like thirty bucks and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, right. <clears throat> people want to get wasted. They're going to get wasted. But that wasn't to me the most exciting news to come out of the Disney shareholders meeting today. To me, well, was that the was the fact that they, Bob Iger, showed the shareholders footage from episode nine. Oh, that's cool. Yep. So and, when you listen to the call, does it just bleep that out? Um, Honestly, I don't know. I don't know if you can listen to the shareholders meeting. It's not a okay. call like, like um, the earnings oh, okay. call. This is actually like a meeting you can go to, I, I believe. Um, I'm not quite sure how it works. Uh, I don't know if you can listen in. You definitely can't watch it because people would have been screen capping the shit out of that. Of course. Um, <laughs> but once again, no title, which at this point is not even that surprising. I like at this point when a title drops, it's going to be so surprising that it's just happened. It'll be when the teaser trailer comes out. Yeah. This is the new, they could they could do that. They could take an Avengers Endgame style approach to this where we don't know the title until we see the first teaser trailer. It would be awfully like out of um tradition for them, but you know, at this it point would be we're, modern. At this point we're only a month away from right. Star Wars celebration and what we assume will be our first look at episode 9, like our first official public look. So they showed him some footage. Apparently it's a mix between like actual movie footage and some behind the scenes stuff. Right. Mm. Um, and one of the shareholders took to Twitter to talk about what they showed off. So this is very light spoilers. Like if I felt like anybody was going to hear this and be like, you just ruined something from the movie. I wouldn't read this. And they're not going to show that kind of stuff off anyway. This is J.J. Abrams we're talking about, right? So this yeah. is what he says. We saw a blockade runner in an abandoned-looking hangar. An explosion knocking stormtroopers in a starship hangar bay. Kylo Ren in a white room looking at the Vader helmet. Ray, Finn, Poe in the Falcon cockpit. We saw Lando briefly. Ray with Chewie's bowcaster. Thin and some abandoned-looking ship interior. Uh, we saw a marketplace scene with Ray walking through and some aliens. Uh, this is about Kylo in the white room looking at Vader's helmet. Uh, he was in a room uh, that was bright white. He's looking down as a box or container opens to reveal the charred Vader helmet. Kylo is not wearing a helmet in this scene. 
Um, a really cool clip of Daisy doing wire work, jumping and turning a somersault high up in the air with a lightsaber. Um, I think that's about it. Some pretty bland descriptions. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, there's a couple things in there that get me kind of excited. We saw oh, yeah. a blockade runner. That'll be the first time we see one of those ships in the sequel trilogy. We haven't seen one of those yet. Excuse me, I'm so sorry. It's okay. Do you need to take a break to get some water or anything, buddy? Uh, yeah, I probably need some water. Okay, cool. We'll take a quick break. I'm sorry. No problem. I didn't realize I was going to start coughing. It's all good, buddy. Alrighty. Um, so... What I was going to say is, um, I think seeing a blockade runner, that's kind of cool. Because we haven't it seen is. one of those in the sequel trilogy. They, yeah. It has shown up. There has been one that's shown up in Resistance. Like, when Kaz first um, meets up with the Resistance in the first episode, it's on a blockade runner. So, um, you know, we know they're still out there, at least around this time in the star Wars timeline. So it's cool that one's going to show up at least in a hangar. Um, Kylo hanging out with Vader's helmet again. I like that. I like that. JJ is going to revisit that. Um, now in the guys, he set it up, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was, he a, set it up in the force awakens. So it's cool that he's returning to it. Yeah. And it seems like there might be some, several concepts that were set up in the force awakens that jj is returning to which is totally cool you know like the knights of ren vader's helmet all of that stuff um when the guy describes kylo's um the scene with kylo he says he's in a very very white room and he almost he described it as almost looking like the interior of a blockade runner you know how that's very very white on the inside yeah and then People were like, oh, was it that? Or could it have been like something like the inside of Darth Vader's meditation chamber from The Empire Strikes Back? Because that is very white as well. That's all white, yeah. And I would like to propose a third possibility. Uh, there was a recent rumor that Kylo has got a new ship in Episode Nine, and that ship is white and red. And... That's probably where he's hanging out with this helmet, if I had to guess. On That's his, cool. On his slick-looking new ship. Just hearing... Hanging out on a white ship? Yeah, just hearing that description <gasps> makes me really want to see that ship. White with, like, red details and stuff. Because, you know, a lot of times, white in Star Wars sort of is meant to signify... Well, not always, because the stormtroopers are white. But a lot of times, like, you think... In the most basic terms, light side of the force, white, you know. Right. Um, uh, or lighter colors even, like, you know, like a tan or... I don't know, man. I'm not a colorologist. Uh, <coughs> and then... In The Phantom Menace, it was like chrome. Yeah. You know, I, like... It just makes me think, like, if a white ship, that's probably going to look, like, really fancy. Like almost sort of like a a regal white with red 
like depending on the geometry of it your and stuff. whole you know it, your whole order is based on black right everyone wears black well i guess except for the white stormtroopers right but i know what you mean especially like the color scheme of the ships we've seen so far you know yeah black um, steel gray you know but it could also be like how he distinguishes himself as the supreme leader now you know like he, he right. he's like yo i'm the supreme leader i want a fancy ass ship make it white put some red on it um the the idea of ray finn and poe hanging out in the cockpit of the millennium falcon that beautiful, beautiful really exciting because we haven't seen that yet no we haven't um poe's and, never been on the falcon he is at the end of the last jedi really yeah He's on the fa- he's not piloting it. He's not in the cockpit, but he's in like. Oh the- yeah, he has. To, he gets saved with everybody else. That's yeah, and and like that's where he meets Ray for the first time. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> and then you know the wire work scene of Daisy somersaulting with the lightsaber. That just sounds cool. Like it sounds like we're gonna see her being real kick ass. So, yeah, there's some exciting stuff there. I'm sure if we saw it, we wouldn't find it bland necessarily. You know, but yeah. It's, it sounds like there's some exciting stuff <clears throat> ahead. Um, they also showed off some in-game footage, and that shit same, seemed way more spoiler-like heavy than um, the Star Wars stuff they showed off. Now, granted, in-game comes out next month as opposed to December, so... right. But I'm I'm not going to talk about it right here because literally I read that and I was like, yeah, that's kind of spoilers. Wow. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just exciting that people are finally starting to see some footage. Um, Bob Iger used the term satisfying again when referring to episode nine. So maybe that's the title. Episode nine, satisfying. <laughs> Satisfaction of the Jedi. Uh, satisfaction of the force. That was I can't get no satisfaction. I know by, uh, the Rolex. I saw it coming. I saw it coming off a of Highway 20 from like four yeah. miles ago. I like. I was like, I know what's about to happen here. I was quiet there for a second. You're yep. like, I can hear the. I, gears I, yep, yep. I heard the fucking amplifier warming up. Um, so yeah that's about it from the the footage Um, really though we're just a little over a month from probably seeing some footage of our own and that is really exciting to me I can't wait I know man (laughs) so I'll clue the listeners and you in on this if at all possible after the footage debuts at Celebration I'm going to try and get on a Skype call with you. I'm going to have recording stuff with me. And we'll try to record at least some sort of quick reaction to the trailer. All right. So um, be ready for that. We'll see how it goes. I'm staying in a haunted hotel. I may not even last through the first night and not even get to see the episode nine panel. So who knows? You should do like a video diary entry in the morning just so I can see how you uh, how you woke up. 
burn some sage when I get in there. See, uh, see what your your mental state is, or maybe if you stayed up all night. I hope that's not the case. I'm hope I'm able to sleep because uh, I got lots of cool stuff to do at celebration. I can't be losing no sleep. All right. So before we move on to hearing from you guys, let's talk about Star Wars Resistance, the latest episode, which which uh, the name escapes me right now of the episode. Um, what'd you think in general? Well, before while I look up the uh, the episode, it was intense. Mm-hmm. Very intense. The stakes are high, highest they've been yet. Is yeah, what I thought. Definitely. And, you know, that's to be expected or hoped for leading into the the finale. It was called Descent. The episode's right. title was Descent. <clears throat> um, and appropriately so because they sink the damn Colossus. Right. Right. Which we saw. Oh, by the way, the... spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't seen this episode of Resistance. Yeah, I would hope they know by now that we talk about it pretty, like full on when we discuss resistance um yeah they sink the colossus which we saw in like the mid-season trailer or whatever and that was we knew it was coming just not when and how they did it was really cool i thought it was a neat it was nice to see kaz come up with a good plan and like execute that shit you know um i mean yeah what were you gonna say i was gonna say good is relative Two of his buddies got caught, but, I mean, he did the damn thing. I mean, you do what you got to do to save the day. Right. And, look, they, you can't just have the good guys get away with it scot-free. You know what I mean? You got to lose no, an Obi-Wan. I mean, that's why, that's why the stakes are high. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, that, that's what's on the line. Right. You got to, every now and then, you got to break a couple of eggs to make a fucking resistance pound cake. I don't know. Um, it was cool to see him come up with a plan. I am glad I was wrong about Tam being the one to turn them in, but yeah. I still feel like I'm not a huge fan of sort of the direction they're taking her character right now. I well, get a feeling. I, what were you go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I you just get the feeling what? So we know. We know that something that's coming in one of these finale episodes, either the first one or the second one, is the destruction of Hosnian Prime. And we're going to see that speech from Hux in animated form. So we know that's an event that's about to happen. And I'm hoping what that's going to do is like show Tam like, oh, these dudes are assholes. They just wiped out like five planets at once like this is not the the actions of someone you should trust you know right so what i was gonna say is maybe this is tam's experience you know mm -hmm. i don't know what they're about to do with tam but they might i don't know smack her around a little bit torture a little bit and if they do that to try to get information she may believe you know oh these are bad guys yeah, I I don't know if they're going to go that route. It seems like they're going to try to play play good cop with her for a little while. With her, yeah. Um, that makes sense. Because they introduced a new character this episode, uh, Tierney. Yes. Uh, Who I really like, actually. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I like that character right off the bat. 
Reminds me a little of Iden Verso. Yeah, totally. I can see that. And, um, and she's definitely taken on like the good cop role with Tam. And I expect that'll continue, um, at least for a little bit. Um, dude, I'm not going to lie. I thought they straight up killed Bucket at the beginning. I did too. I was like, oh my goodness, Bucket. I was bummed, dude. I was like, really? You going to kill Bucket? Bucket? I was more like, no, Bucket, no. My boy, Bucket? But then it he turned didn't up, do anything. <laughs> turned out to be a bucket of lies because that, that old boy was fine. The turtle people f- fixed him up just just fine. Turtle people. Um, I, I you know, I, I dug the plan. I dug the execution of the plan. Yeah, Jaeger got captured. So, you know, I'm sure that's going to be a big component of the finale is going to be trying to rescue Jaeger and Hopefully Tam coming around and seeing, you know, the fucked up side of the First Order. And um, and we'll see where it goes from there. I'm really interested to see um, sort of the end of this season and what it sets up as far as the future of Resistance. I kind of get the feeling like... So there's... To me, there's really only two ways they can go. Like, either they fail and getting rid of the first order off of the Colossus or they succeed. So if they fail, I figure they got to leave, right? They got to leave the Colossus if the Colossus, if they're not successful, if they win, then I still don't think like at that point, Kaz is full on like doing some major shit for the resistance. Like, doesn't he go and join the fight at that point? So I basically what I'm saying um, is is the second season going to take us off of the Colossus? Are we going to explore other worlds and stuff, or go to a I new mean, location? It's possible, like you said, it can go one of two ways. But it is always possible that we come back to equilibrium. Like, um, if the Hosnian Prime system is destroyed, that may sever really the Resistance organization. For Kaz, you know, I don't know if they activate all their spies or bring them all. You know, Leia told them where their next base would be, but yeah, I mean, it is kind of a setup to get off world, but it would seem like such a waste to have set up all this Colossus and these racers. Like, you haven't developed any of these, you know, there's so much of these racers that we've really gotten into. Yeah, Captain Doze in the station. Uh, I think they may kick the first order out, but then it becomes a spy versus spy game. I gotcha. Uh, they may get them out of, uh, Kaz may get the resistance off the platform, but not, you know, permanently. Like, I kind of wondered if, um, if it's going to follow a similar sort of, uh, formula to star Wars rebels, like star Wars rebels, was mainly set on Lothal, like mostly on Lothal, uh, during the first season. And then after the first season, like they started branching out and then they completely left Lothal and went to other locations for a while. So I'm wondering if they're going to do that. Um, and you know, occasionally have a reason to go back to the Colossus, but if they do leave the Colossus, I agree with you that, we got less time with the other aces than I thought we would. 
I thought every single one of those aces would be developed. Like, I know the information is out there, and it's not... It's because I'm not... I haven't gone and sought it out, but I do not know most of the other aces' names. Like, I know Torah. I know... Uh, I on. And then, like, the TIE fighter pilot guy. Couldn't tell you his name. The... Uh, uh... Blonde chick, yeah, like, couldn't tell you the blonde lady. Chick, I, I could, I don't know her name. And then the, the guy that's the same race as uh, Plo Koon. Yeah, <clears throat> don't know his name. Don't know him. I I know that it's all out there, so it would be a little disappointing in that regard. But I also wouldn't be uh, opposed to a change of scenery, at least for a little <laughs> while in Resistance. Well, I feel like it would it would ratchet up. I think it would take it mm, from being kind of a, a spy thing to more action oriented thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, like in star Wars canon, we know that after, uh, the battle of star killer base, Leia sent off pilots and stuff in, in on different missions. Like that's why snap Wexley isn't there. Jessica Pava, like some of the pilots you see in the force awakens it's not like it's not that they're dead they're off doing other stuff for leia so they could also say that's what she she sends kaz off somewhere else on a new mission or something or maybe she just tells kaz like no the the colossus as a refueling station is a critical uh, strategic point for the first order so your job is to protect it right and I think we'll get more of the aces in the next episode. In fact, I think we'll probably see like the aces and the pirates team up against the first order in the finale. Ooh, that makes sense. So we'll probably get to see them some more, but it's, I, I don't think we're going to see enough of them to like really be like, Oh, okay. I know, I know who that character is. I know what they're about and stuff. So, because that's kind of obvious now that you said that I didn't even think about that. The pirates intercepted the signal. Yeah. The intercepted transmission. It also makes me wonder, like, in the episode before, when they get uh, Aunt Z off of the Colossus, she's like, I'm going to go to Taco Donna to see a friend, which you assume is probably Maz. Kanata, right? So is she going to show up with some re- reinforcements from Maz as well? Yeah, it's a worker dispute. Oh, that's... Oh, dude. <laughs> what if that's what happens? What if what it if turns out... It? What if that's it? What if we see Maz flying around on her jetpack talking on a Skype call to to Finn, Rose, and Poe? I don't think it lines up. Trying to up, take back the Colossus. Yeah, I don't think it lines up timeline-wise unless there's some sort of very brief time jump in between this last episode and the finale of Resistance, you know what I mean? Like, if there is some brief time jump, they could do that. But otherwise, I don't think... Actually, I don't even think they could do that because Hosni and Prime is going to get blown up during the finale. So I don't know. I don't know how that'll work. Um, I'm looking forward to the res- the end though, and uh, I've enjoyed it a hell of a lot. I hope um, they continue to uh, support it. Like I really want Resistance vehicles. I know I say this all the time. I just think some of those fighter designs are so cool. The Fireball cannot be. The be all end all. I think Jaeger's ship is going to become Kaz's ship. I'm scared Jaeger's going to die, and then Kaz <laughs> takes Jaeger's ship. Tam gets the fireball, and then they get on to the racing. Like, 
that I think that is very possible. And I'll say this, like, I think, I don't know that Jaeger necessarily has to die for it to happen. Um, um, yeah, I guess it doesn't have to happen, yeah. But it could go that way. It definitely could. Uh, but what I was going to say is, like, I think you're right. One of them between Tam and Kaz will get either Jaeger ship or the fireball, and then the other one will get the other ship. I don't, for some reason, I see Tam getting the fireball because, like, it's so she established. She takes personal ownership of it. Right. She's so attached to it. She's the one that does, like, the real work on it because Kaz is a screw up when it comes to that kind of stuff. So. Who's getting better in his defense? He is. He definitely is. And uh, which is good that I can see because I wanted to see that. That's and, something I really wanted. And who knows? Like, maybe Kaz has to leave the colossus to do resistance stuff and they come back sometime later in season two and she's whipping around in the fireball and the fireball's all fixed up and badass again yeah, you right. know? they could do a lot of stuff with that it'll just be cool to see what they end up doing so you want to do some voicemails and emails and stuff sure you're from the moisture farmers before we call it a day farming moisture out there let's listen to a song Oh, by the way, this song's getting a panel at Star Wars Celebration. It's on Tuesday. So our first voicemail is from the man himself, the king, the king of all times, King Tom. Hey, Hawes and Will. So I was minding my own business on Twitter on Tuesday when I noticed a lot of people started to tweet about Rebels. Tuesday was the one-year anniversary of the show's end, and I got to tell you, it was really nice to see a lot of people who loved Rebels. Um... I was a big fan of the show. Almost can't believe it's it's been a year since the show left us. And you know what? It wasn't perfect. There were some wrong turns maybe taken. Um, but I, I really liked the show, especially for what it was. Uh, and I even caught, for some reason, I started rewatching a few episodes last week or the week before. And I really enjoyed how it told the story of not just the people of the rebellion coming together but this small group of different beings coming together and forming a family, especially 
a family that was part of that larger rebellion. You know, I, I love the Rebel Alliance, and that that's you know a, a big part of Star Wars for me. So to see a story set in that time frame, I really liked. And there's a lot, lot to the show that I like. I think it told some great stories, and you know, it, it was it's kind of unfinished because of the way it ended. Maybe we'll get that story one day. Here's hoping. But I, I really liked it, and I'm glad we had it. And I also like seeing, because I, I feel like this is not a complaint or not trying to bash any other um, Star Wars media project, but I feel like it, it's seen as, you know, the, the lesser stepchild when compared to the Clone Wars sometimes. And I don't feel that way about it. Um, I, I love it for what it is. And I'm, like I said, I'm glad to see that other people do too. And I, I, I don't know if you've talked about this already on this episode, but you know, it, it's it's been a year, and so, sometimes when you have a whole thing and you're able to look at it, you think about it differently than when you're in the middle of it, getting piece by piece every week. And I was just wondering um, what y- your feelings were on Rebels now that we're a year out from it being over. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for the great podcast, and I will talk to you guys later. Right on, King Tom. <clears throat> Dude, it does seem crazy that Rebels has been... It's been a year since it's already... Oh, no. Um, I enjoyed Rebels as a whole. Much like Tom said, I, I do feel like it took some weird turns or like had some moments that I wasn't a huge fan of. Uh, but as as a whole, when I think of the breadth of the story beginning to end... I'm pretty satisfied with what they did with it. Um, You know, weirdly enough, uh, I think Rebels is going to be one of those things that we get on Disney Plus because it's not available streaming anywhere. You can't, like, you know, go on Netflix or something. That's true. So I kind of think maybe they're holding that back to add to the Disney Plus catalog, which I think is great. I will definitely rewatch the series front to back. I only own uh the first season digitally because amazon was having on having a sale on it one time Mm -hmm. but other than that like i was hoping like when the fourth season came out they would do like a box set of all the seasons uh on blu-ray and they never did like i could still go buy each one individually but i was hoping they'd do a box set and i will pick those up eventually because watching those Star Wars animated shows, Clone Wars and Rebels on Blu-ray, like it is the best possible quality and they look really nice on Blu-ray. So, um, and yeah, I've got fairly positive feelings about Rebels. Like it did a lot of cool stuff, uh, and introduced, what were you going to say? I felt like it ended abruptly, but that was it. You know, like I felt like, it, you know, it kind of felt like it ended unfinished, but that's just kind of the way they ended it. That's not a jab. You know, I just wanted more. You know, I wanted to know where the rest of that story went. Yeah, and I, well, that's actually part of what makes me like Rebels in a way is that um, it was interesting to see Filoni finish out a series because, you know, Clone Wars got canceled before they could finish it. Right. Um, but it was interesting to see what he did with, you know, a full like four season uh, story arc. And I like that they 
for the most part, wrapped up the storylines of our main characters and still left the door open for further adventures whenever that's going to come. Like, the like taking a break from that story and leaving it sort of open and nebulous about like what happened with Ezra and Thrawn and Ahsoka. What's Sabine up to? Like, what's that all going to be about? I find that really cool and exciting. And I, I can't wait till they do revisit that. However they, they do. I'm hoping that that's maybe the, uh, the next animated series after, uh, they do the seventh se- season of clone wars. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I think that would I be cool. So. Cool for Disney, Disney plus, even if it's like a sort of a limited series, I think that could be cool. Hell yeah. Um, and it introduced a lot of characters that I'm a pretty big fan of. Like, I like Kanan a lot. I like Hera a whole lot. I like oh, Sabine. Yeah. Um, I like, for the most part, I like what they did with Ahsoka in Rebels. I, you know, was not super stoked with the resolution of that second season and the Ahsoka stuff. Yeah, but I even said like if they do something with it later in the season, besides just sort of seemingly copping out on the Ahsoka thing, then I'll be okay yeah. with it. And like I, I'm not gonna lie, that whole like world between worlds thing and Ahsoka coming back in the white robe with the staff to go help find Ezra with Sabine, I really like that. So yeah. it's hard for me to bitch in retrospect about that stuff. It's very odd, like, but I I like that because, I mean, because I want it explained, but I don't think it will be, you know? What do you think won't be explained? The world between worlds, so, you know how Ezra went into the, I don't know, the timeline of mm-hmm. being, it's all Palpatine, is that what you're talking about, world between worlds? Yeah, and, and like, uh, Ezra reached through and pulled Ahsoka into it and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I don't understand that, and it's weird. And I'd like for it to be explained, but I don't think it ever will be. Yeah, I mean, we might get further hints at it and stuff, but much like, you know, they didn't fully lay out the Mortis stuff. Like, I think it's one of those things that might be best with some elements of it left unexplained. You know, And I completely agree. Uh, I just think those are pretty amazing moments that people were given a lot of liberty with the nature of the force and what the force can do. Absolutely. And, and I still have no idea what that means and what relevance that has to the rest of the universe. And and I'll say like when Disney took over star Wars, one of the things that I was interested to see what they did with star Wars was like what they did in relation to force stuff, you know? Right. Because that is, so much of it is is so unexplained and so so unexplored in Star Wars, and I think in a good way. And like to me, that world between world stuff. I know some people aren't a huge fan of it, but it seems like such. I can see the lineage between that and the Mortis stuff, which George Lucas had a uh, you know a direct hand and influence in. Right. So I'm okay with it. Like I can see the lineage between the two, and it doesn't bother me. So, you know, I don't know. I dug Rebels. I'm looking forward to rewatching it. I just either need to buy the seasons on Blu-ray or wait for it to be on Disney Plus. 
But I'm looking forward it's to probably going to be kick-ass to be able to watch it all together. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, then it, it's like watching any show I'm into, be it Buffy or Lost or anything. When you're watching it week to week, you can maybe get a little down on it when there's an episode or three in a row that you don't really b- dig. But when you're watching it all together, when you're binging it, like I feel like those bad moments become less glaring because you're like, oh, well, just down the road, this kick-ass thing happens, you know? Right. <clears throat> All right, let's um, hear a voicemail from Jim. Pause and Will Witten, champions and masters of your craft. How are you guys doing? Um, so I got a couple things to say. Uh, let's see. So... I've been thinking about Dengar for the last two months and who could play him and who I thought of was John C. Riley. <laughs> I know that that's like, Ooh, no comedy in my, no big name actors in my star Wars, but, uh, no, I like that actually. I like it better than Simon Pegg who played him in the clone Wars. Sorry. Thing. He doesn't say a word. Okay. Not a single word. He's Mr. Cellophane. Okay. Doesn't say a word. And then, uh, he he's one of the best damn snipers in the galaxy like people are going to think he's got force powers because he's got such great skill but sometimes it looks like he's got a fully automatic sometimes it looks like a sniper rifle i like sniper rifle but he doesn't say a single thing the entire movie and then finally like a jedi slices down somebody right in front of him and he uses all his comic ability to just sort of look at like boba fett and be like oh uh you go you know (laughs) sort of thing so that's about it. So um, I'm losing my mind about the uh, title of Star Wars. Man, I uh, I sure would love to hear it. So I'm going to talk about Game of Thrones instead. I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. Uh, and I got two theories that might happen that I think would happen. I think uh, Tyrion would betray the Mother of Dragons because that little conversation where you don't get to hear it, but he talks with his sister and also Jon Snow hooking up with her. I think he was sort of falling in love with her, and uh, he's going to betray for the Lannisters, and then probably at the last minute uh, go back the other way, but that's what I think. And what I really, really want is Sam to learn so much uh, that he becomes a wizard. I'd love for Sam, the nice guy, uh, to start wielding some magic. Uh, But, yeah, so Ignite the Green. I'm I'm not mad at the idea of John C. Riley as Dengar. I kind of like that, honestly. Like I said, I like it better than Simon Pegg as as Dengar in the Clone Wars. Speaking of which, you know Simon Pegg's in Birmingham. Is he really? Yeah, he's shooting a he's, movie here. He's shooting a movie. I think called Inheritance, where he's all ripped and stuff. Oh, really? Maybe the wrong movie, but I think he got not necessarily ripped. I think he lost. I mean. Got he didn't little... put on muscle weight, but he definitely got shredded. You know, I tiny gotcha. guy shredded. And uh, for uh, this movie, I believe. Yeah, yeah, Birmingham's been getting some people coming to film movies here. Like, you know, a few years back, um, Harrison Ford was here filming that movie, 42. Uh, okay. This was more than a few years back. This was back in like 2012 or something like that um 
and then Jean-Claude Van Damme was here within Ooh. the last couple of years. And dude, you're talking Did about... You... Go ahead, talk about what? I was about to say, you want to talk about two of Young Halls' heroes, Harrison Ford and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Van Damme. Uh, did you get that article that I sent you about Jean-Claude Van Damme? Yes, uh, his original role in The Predator, yeah. Right, right. You know, you can uh, see some, um, there's footage you can watch of that um, original sort of like reptilian design of The Predator. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's test footage or if it's footage that they shot before he left the movie and then they redesigned the alien, but it's it looks rough. Like, they clearly took the right, like step in redesigning that alien. Yeah. And there's a lot about that in that article. That article is basically about, um, Jean-Claude Van Damme and how he left the predator project. And there are several different people that that article talks to, and they all have like a slightly different story of how it went down, but it gives you all the stories of possibly how Jean-Claude Van Damme left predator. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. The interesting story. Um, yeah. And one of the funniest parts of it was that, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme would just try to get jobs by coming in people's offices and doing like jump kicks and, the and like splits, splits yeah. and like flips and stuff. Like I can only imagine him coming into my office and being like, come hire me. Look, check this out. And you're just like being a producer being like, uh, Sure. You this guy jumps. Let's give him some the predator crazy jump and roll. Put him in some rubber suit. I'm gonna send you an article or two or a YouTube video after we record. Remind me. Okay. Um, you know how Bloodsport, one of my favorite movies of all time, is right? quote unquote based on a true story of a man named Frank Dukes. Oh, I did not know that. Right. It's it's quote unquote based on a true story, and I say that because it basically turns out that dude is just a big phony. Oh, <laughs> but it's interesting to hear this dude's story and like what he claimed and all that. Right. Um, as far as Game of Thrones stuff goes, like I'm really I'm gonna have to totally toss to you because I have absolutely no idea. Um, I'm excited for Game of Thrones. It's one of those things where like I can't even formulate theories. I think, and I've seen this theory go around too. Like, I wonder if it's gonna be possible that the the Night King is going to uh, raise the dead in Winterfell. And it's going to be like, because there's like a crypt system where all the old kings and stuff are buried. Like, that's really the one thing I kind of wonder about. I'm also afraid to talk about Game of Thrones because I ruined that shit for Justin like three years ago. When I see him at Celebration, I'm going to bring that up. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry about that, buddy. Um, okay. So we got, I got an email from our buddy Utah Dougie. And the subject line is, aw. And there's a Facebook link, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe he's like, maybe he's linking me to a raccoon video on Facebook. or like Cute a kitten video. Yeah, or like a, a man hugs a tiger. And I click on it and it's just some lady's profile who I don't know. So I, I wonder if he sent me the wrong link or something. Let me know, Dougie. All right, next up we got an email from Tater Daddy. Oh. Tater Daddy. That, the father of potatoes. Potatoes. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. 
Hey, fellers. Just wanted to say I really enjoy the podcast. It has become one of, if not my favorites. I started listening recently and have made my way through your backlog of episodes. I found you guys by accident and haven't looked back. I recently found out an interesting fact in canon, technically about R2-D2's rockets and why they don't work in the original trilogy. Uh, apparently, in a young adult version of Return of the Jedi, it says that they just stopped working and R2 never had them fixed, which is a lame excuse. I like to think the Jawas in A New Hope took them out to sell them. I, Ooh, that's good. <laughs> I recently started watching. That's a better explanation. That's than a fantastic just, explanation. Is, is R2-D2 like that dude that drives around his car with the check engine light and is like, hey, let's just see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Uh, I recently started watching Star Wars Resistance basically because of how much you and Will talk about it. And I have to say, yeah, it's very much for a younger audience, but I really enjoy it. And the animation is great. I do have a question. Do you think it would be possible to adapt the Tales of the Jedi into a movie? Ooh. I believe that's the story with you at Quell Drama. I'm not 100% on that. But whatever, what do you think? I believe it would be a great story. I wish they would do Knights of the Old Republic which is my favorite Star Wars story, but I don't think they're going to do it because everybody already knows that story too well. I have never written in before or gotten involved, but you guys fucking rocked the first time I heard the Kia D. Mundy song. I was with my mom, and it was hilarious watching her face. P.S. I know you both like anime. Could you guys list some good animes I might not have watched? I'm trying to find some new ones. Ooh. Well, why don't you give this man a couple of anime suggestions and then we'll get to is i've got a couple myself okay um most of my knowledge is going to be dated i don't watch a lot of current anime but psh, uh anything miyazaki you know anything from the studio ghibli those are going to be great uh samurai seven is really good uh samurai shampoo uh cowboy bebop really good um for uh, metal, uh, Full Metal Alchemist. Oh my god, it's that's really good. That is Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is my favorite anime of all time, personally. There you so, go. I would definitely recommend that one. Um, Gundam. I mean, if you're really into the Gundam, some of the Gundams are really good. Eighth Mobile Suit Team is my my favorite. Um, I would. But Gun Gundam Unicorn is really good. Yeah, if. Uh, if you're going to go down the Gundam route, I, I would say maybe watch the 8th mobile eighth MS team, right? Yeah, 8th MS team. That one's really good, and it's short. It's only like eight episodes, so it gives you I sort think it's of... it's 13, maybe, okay. but it is yeah. very short. It gives you the Gundam flair, like it, flavor. You can sort of get... Now, if you watch that and dig it, watch Gundam Wing after that. Right. I think Gundam Wing, Wing is, is good. really and good. And they're different settings. Like yeah, they different universes. That, Different universes, but if you're talking about Gundam, you really want the Gundam flavor, that's where it's at. Mm. Um, I would suggest Attack on Titan, personally. Attack on Titan, yeah. I think that's really good. I haven't seen it the is. third season, but it's really good. Um, I hear a lot of good things about One Punch Man. I haven't watched it yet. One Punch Man is incredible. Haas, okay. you haven't seen the first season of One Punch no, Man? No, I need to. I I'm going to gonna lose it. my mind. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, you need to watch, Will. Um, I watched a few episodes. I'm like, maybe six or seven episodes of the first season and dug it, but then just sort of got distracted and didn't pick up pick it back up for a while, so I feel like I need to restart. 
My Hero Academia. Oh, really? It's really good in those first few episodes. And our buddy Aaron Boyd is completely caught up and he says it's very good. Well, so, I'm going to have to try that. And I think maybe at least the first season is on Netflix. Um, more than that's on Hulu. I think they might even simulcast on Hulu. That I, I watched all of Bleach on Netflix. That was good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I it t- I had to. It took an investment of time, to be honest, but it was good. So there's our. I anime. mean, I'm not the hugest Bleach fan, but right. you know, there's some anime recommendations. That should at least give you something to look through and see yeah, what right. you dig. Um, I think I'm they, gonna have to check out that. I think they could um, adapt Tales of the Jedi. But I don't think, and I think they could adapt Knights of the Old Republic, but I don't think we're going to see an adapt, a, a direct adaptation of either of those I don't either. Things. I like, think Ryan Johnson's trilogy will touch in that area, maybe. Yeah. <clears throat> of history. Um, of, well, I mean that by like ancient Jedi history. Yeah, and, and who knows, like much like Rebels brought in Thrawn, but it wasn't like you know the Thrawn original Thrawn trilogy Thrawn they brought in a version of Thrawn they may bring in characters like you like Keldroma or Exarchoon not how we know him or an Exarchoon or Revan was one of the coolest Sith Lord yeah or Darth Revan Darth Revan and Darth Malak yeah yeah so they could I think we could eventually see something like that and they may take some elements from those stories and incorporate them but I also think they might put a little more care into crafting it and like since it's going to be placed firmly in canon and stuff they'll take all that into consideration and stuff too so <laughs> I don't think it's without you know outside of the realm of possibility it would be cool I totally admit I love the tales of the Jedi me too I thought it fit the universe okay if that makes sense now we've got an email from uh i think this might be another first time writer jay hey halls and will been listening to your podcast and many others on the making star wars podcast network for about a year now and this is my first time writing into any of them really appreciate all the effort that you folks put into these and greatly enjoy listening to them at work to make the time pass quicker Blue Harvest is really the only podcast that I've heard delve into the Star Wars Resistance animated series in any depth, so I figured it would be best to send this thought your way. This past week, I was just watching the latest Star Wars Resistance episode with my five-year-old son, and my brain went off on a bit of a tangent, and I began looking up who the voice actors for a few of the characters were on my phone. One thing I quickly noticed was how close each of the key characters' voice actors looked to their animated character in the show, which I found to be quite unusual. I don't mean that they have a passing resistance, they look resemblance, they look pretty much dead on identical to their animated look, down to some of the most minute of details. Just take a quick look at the voice cast and you'll see what I mean. Even some of the alien characters that would likely require rather elaborate costuming masks or prosthetics share several facial features with their voice actors. I figured there has to be some sort of specific reason for doing this sort of thing, as no previous Star Wars animated content has gone to these sort of links. Given this, I can only guess that it was done to make it so the key members of the Star Wars Resistance cast can make a live-action appearance in the upcoming Episode 9 movie, and the voices will all be instantly recognizable. 
With the overlap in the timing of the prequel series and this animated series, I do think it could make some sense for the cast to appear in the movie as well. What do you guys think? Am I potentially on to something here or just overthinking things? Any other reason you can see for each of the voice characters to appear so similar to their animated characters? Thanks, guys, and hope all is well with both of you. Um, I don't... I don't know how likely it is that we see any Star Wars Resistance characters in Episode Nine, but we saw robot legs Darth Maul and Solo. So, at this point, you can't completely rule anything out. But if Christopher Sean, who is the actor, I believe, who plays Kaz, was in Episode Nine, I don't know if you'd really be able to keep that a secret. <laughs> Especially if he was playing some sort of significant role. So, I think, honestly... I think the most we could hope for as far as resistance crossovers with episode nine, and this is like, in my opinion, the most we could hope for would be if um, we got some sort of cameo situation, kind of like we got in Rogue One with Rebels characters. So like in Rogue One, you see Chopper in the background of a shot like you know what if they have some sort of resistance hanger in episode nine and bucket is tooling around in there or you see the the fireball parked in a hanger or if the if you in the big um space battle you see you hear kaz over the comm chatter or something like they could do something like that and i think that would be more likely than the characters themselves showing up in full um, I th- I honestly think it's a nod towards inclusivity. Uh, I think the the characters' voices respond uh, to like the community, whatever whatever community the character ethnically is supposed to belong to. If that makes sense. Yeah, I can you see know, that too. Where you know, I, you you want a character that's going to appear as a young black woman to be voiced by a young black woman oh, yeah, or an absolutely. older black man to be voiced by an older black man and uh, you know so forth so I, I think it's an effort at uh, genuine I don't know like a, a genuine performance you know what I mean like not having just you know one white voice actor do the voices of different people of color or different you know yeah. No, no, I totally agree with that. And it, it would be very cool to me if there was some some kind of resistance cameo in episode nine. I don't know that J.J. Abrams operates that way or even yeah. takes the animated stuff into account. Like, I don't know that they're encouraged to, honestly. Right. And like with Rogue One and Solo both, because of the sort of circumstances behind like directors being canned and other people being brought on to reshoot parts of the movie in a way it almost feels like more of a collaborative lucasfilm effort than like a director being firmly at the helm of the movie like not saying anything against uh, gareth edwards or um uh i can't even remember the guy who was brought on 
to finish the movie, to finish or redo Rogue One, or Ron Howard, who was brought on. But it almost, to me, feels like uh, more collaborative with Lucasfilm as a whole, and like maybe that's why we get those sort of cameos in those two movies. Yeah. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see if, because like Rebels, back when Rebels would air, they would do little nods to the sequel trilogy here and there, but after the sequel trilogy did something. So basically nothing in Rebels ever gave anything away for like The Force Awakens or The Last Jedi, right? Like, for instance, in one of the episodes at the end of season two, in Rebels, Ezra finds uh, a cross-blade lightsaber that's green. Right. And that was not in there until after Episode 7. So, <clears throat> if we start seeing, like, Episode 9 details show up in Resistance, I almost feel like it'll be next season after uh, Episode 9 is, is already done, you know? Yeah. All right, we got two more emails. First up, we got uh, Laura. Dear Halls and Will, great episode last week. I'm getting so excited about all the information we're getting about Galaxy's Edge and about the season finale to Resistance. Descent was an amazing episode. Speaking of Resistance, your conversation this week about Kylo Ren and his motivations brought to mind a theory I have about the events in the show. Buckle up, I have a lot of thoughts. I'm in agreement with y'all. Let go is definitely not a Jedi sentiment when Kylo is saying it. No, shouting it. This is supreme frustration, not centered instruction. I think if we want to look for Jedi qualities in Kylo, we need to look to his compassion. We already know about his compassion for Rey and about the moment he chooses not to fire on Leia, but these aren't the only times Kylo is caught up by his conscience. We see it in The Force Awakens when he noticed Finn failing to engage in the attack on Jakku and just lets him go. And again when he walks right past Han on Starkiller Base. You can't tell me a Force-sensitive who already knows his dad is on a planet could miss feeling him in the same room. Kylo depends on plausible deniability to avoid doing things distasteful to him, and they're distasteful because he either loves these people in the case of his parents, or feels for them, like Finn, a soldier reluctant to harm the innocent, or Ray, who is a lonely and frightened to leave the place she's trapped herself as he is. This is where my resistance theory comes in. Kel and Ela, I don't know how to pronounce that name, the children from Tehar, are the only survivor of Kylo's attack on their settlement. How in the ga- galaxy did Kylo mess this one up? especially when one of the children appears to be Force-sensitive. I think I've found a clue. When Kaz investigates the planet that appears to be Tahar, he finds a Tuka doll left behind. Tukas are pretty much the teddy bear of the galaxy far, far away. In Mana, hope they sell them at Galaxy's Edge. Everyone has some. Has one. According to Aftermath, Lando gave one to baby Ben Solo. I'm convinced... That when Kylo saw the frightened Force-sensitive child clutching a Tuka like the one he had as a child, he couldn't kill her. He yet again missed seeing someone he was, and missed in quotation marks, he was supposed to ruthlessly eliminate. There's still too much light in him to do that. Since Kylo is my favorite character in the sequel trilogy, I could go on a lot longer with my theories on his 
what his goals really are, but that's enough for this email. So what do you think? Does this make sense? Thanks for all you do, Laura in Texas. I want to hear I want to hear some more about what you think Kylo's motivations and stuff are. I dig that shit, man, because to me I am so I'm so mad at Kylo for killing Han Solo that <laughs> it's hard for me to see what his motivations are past that. You know what I mean? I'll be just straight up. How could you have any? How how could you kill Han Solo? I mean, I know it was in the script, but how could you? Um, and as far as why those kids survived, that could very well be it. It would be interesting <coughs> if that comes out in this story at some point, especially like post episode nine, that he purposely chose not to kill them. Yeah. That would be interesting because I would like, <clears throat> the reason I would like it is because it would, um, it would add some depth to Kylo that we're not necessarily seeing. I don't even want to say that there's not depth, but adding some compassionate moments or like some signs of the light side in stuff besides the movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because we know in the force awakened, he's pulled to, to the light. He says it to that fucking Darth Vader helmet. I feel it again, the pull to the light. Right. So it'll be, it would be interesting if resistance finds some way to illuminate some other aspects of Kylo in some way. And I'm still wondering if there's some sort of <laughs> Kylo cameo in this um this finale of resistance because and this of course could have just been a an errant mistake on wikipedia and uh imdb but you know adam driver as kylo ren is listed uh, on both of those places as being in resistance right so it'll just be interesting to see if that comes comes to pass And this too shall pass. I am fading. Let's get to this last email. This is from our buddy H. Jacoby Jacoby. H. Jacoby Jacoby Kobe. Kobe! Hello there, <laughs> Halls and Will. Jacoby here. Will, I hope you're getting better from that strep throat, man. Good on you for pushing through and recording last week. That's some admirable dedication and i know the blue harvest family appreciates the both of you doing what you can despite any setbacks li life might throw at you <clears throat> i've got a simple question i'd like to hear your take on i've caught up on listening to your back catalog and i'm bummed it's over and i am back to waiting for a weekly release i don't remember this being discussed so forgive me if you've already talked about it what do you think it is about Star Wars that gives the movies, especially, so much watchability? You hear stories of people watching the saga movies and standalone movies over and over. I'm the same way, especially with The Last Jedi. I saw it in theaters nine times on the original release, and then twice when it came back around in a dollar theater. Maybe it's because I've got my ear to the ground when it comes to Star Wars, but I don't hear about people seeing movies from other franchises over and over like you do with Star Wars. I feel like Marvel may be a close runner-up. I love Blade Runner, Planet of the Apes, Alien, and so on, but I don't watch them nearly as much as I do Star Wars. So what do you think it is, what do you think is the secret recipe that makes all the Star Wars films and TV shows so rewatchable for you and those in the fandom? 
Alrighty, fellas, thanks for all that you do, and I hope everything continues to go well for you and yours. Keep on keeping on. Blue Harvest friends and family, be good to yourselves and be good to each other. Your friend, Jacoby. That's a good question. I think it has something to do with there's so much to see visually Mm -hmm. that you need to see it multiple times just to kind of drink it all in, Mm -hmm. to drink deeply of the visuals. And... Every Star Wars movie, I mean, whether it's your favorite or, or your least favorite Star Wars movie, the story is complex. There's a complex story, I mean, running throughout every Star Wars movie. And maybe not overly complex, but complex enough to keep people interested to where you, sometimes to see it, you know, not to not necessarily for it to make sense, but to get all the nuances of the complexity of the story sometimes takes multiple viewings. Just seeing things you hadn't seen before. Or, or catching concepts that didn't really catch you the first time. Right. I think that's definitely a big part of it. And I think there's just something about like... Something about the way Star Wars tells a story. It's, sci- it's science fantasy. So it's not like hard sci-fi where to some people it seems inaccessible. You know? It's like... <clears throat> they're usually pretty quickly paced. Um, there's a, a mix of humor and action. We don't really have, in my opinion, that grim, dark DC universe take on star Wars yet to where like, it's just a bummer throughout the whole thing. I will say like, you know, and this probably speaks to me and my personality. Like, the Empire Strikes Back and The Last Jedi are probably two of the heaviest Star Wars movies to watch. They're pretty Agreed. heavy. But that's also kind of why I love them so much. Like, there's a lot of depth to it, like you were saying. And I think there's just, I don't know. I think when you really love something, like so many of us love Star Wars, it's also like your happy place. So, like, I know, like, if I'm in a super good mood, it makes me want to watch a Star Wars movie. If I'm feeling down, I want to watch a Star Wars movie. You know what I mean? It's like, the there's, to me, the perfect Star Wars movie to watch for almost any mood I'm in, you know? And because it's this continuing saga, at least with, like, you know, the enumerated movies, like... It's also it's also fun to go back and watch them in a new light when a new one comes out, like within context of a new entry in the saga. So I think that adds to it too. Um, and then, of course, there's always, you know, the nostalgia factor. If you were someone that uh, got into Star Wars as a kid when you were a kid, like you're nostalgic for nostalgic for those things, just like you might be for, you know, a a cartoon series you watched, but at least for us, like those cartoon series we watched as kids don't hold up like star Wars does. There's something a little more timeless about star Wars than for instance, the uh, Funimation He-Man cartoon. Oh, I, yeah. I love He-Man. Like, I have had He-Man fever for a few months now. Been buying a little bit of He-Man stuff here and there. But I 
sat down to watch some of that Funimation cartoon because it's on Netflix and like I did not get the same feeling from watching that as I do watching a Star Wars movie. <clears throat> so I don't know. I and I just think like the the themes of it um of Star Wars make you want to watch it again and again too. And and I think with what Jacoby said, I think Marvel, the MCU universe Marvel movies are definitely like in the same league of Star Wars as far as re- rewatchability, especially to, you know, some people. Some people like those better than Star Wars. And you don't get like an Infinity War style box office performance without people going to see that movie multiple times. So it definitely happens with other things. But and, and once again, what do you have in the MCU? You have this big interconnected story. You have, you know, dense references throughout each of the movies and stuff. Like, I think there's some parallels to be drawn between right. the two. All right. Well, I think that does it, buddy. Thanks for recording. Dude, Two weeks in a row me. with strep throat. We're gonna we're gonna throw all our good juju at Will. Next week, he's gonna be back and he's gonna be like, "I'm cured. I feel a hundred percent better." Strep throat free is a way to be. Trust me. Mm-hmm. Guys, if you like our theme song, please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They are Stoned Cobra. Yeah. And you can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. Leave us a five-star review if you haven't already. But, quick update on that. We hit 150 reviews on iTunes. Oh, wow. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for everybody that left an interview. You guys are the best. I mean, review. (laughs) Left an interview. Left an interview. Guys, let's get it to 200. I'm not saying by next episode, but I'm saying slowly but surely. Let's get that up to 200 reviews. Um, and yeah, that's it. Uh, unless a Star Wars title comes out uh, tomorrow on Friday, then uh, we'll hear you. We'll talk to you next week. And this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us. <laughs> <laughs>